Food for Thought on News Talk 760 WJR is presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state. Here's your host, Dr. Phil Knight. Welcome back to Food for Thought, everyone. Thanks for listening. People are an organization's greatest asset. This statement is popular among organizational psychologists, business consultants, and leadership gurus, yet has recently come under scrutiny from some business leaders who have shifted away from this value proposition. People are an organization's most valuable asset. My mentor, John Maxwell, popularized this statement and defined it as one of his cornerstone tenets of his leadership philosophy. The scrutiny today thinks too much emphasis is placed on the importance of the individual. I can't understand how this thinking is justified. Whether you are a capitalist or a socialist, the individual holds the greatest value because nothing happens without them, even in the age of automation. In fact, I think the value proposition is too narrow. I think we should expand its application and think like this. People are a community's most valuable asset. This kind of changes the view of our neighborhood. What about this one? Students, children in a school, are the school's most valuable assets. Priorities begin to shift a bit with this statement at the forefront, and perhaps our spending priorities are adjusted as well. Our own esteemed thought leader here on Food for Thought, Jerry Prasan, often says, we have to move away from the mindset of just helping people, the mindset of charity, to seeing the people we serve as worthy of investing. It changes our thinking. From our donors to our drivers, from our volunteers to our warehouse workers, from our board members to the farmers that support our work, from the client who needs a little help for a little while to the individual who needs us for a while longer. They are all worthy of investment. We are back on Food for Thought in just a moment when I want to collect Jerry's thoughts on this topic and introduce you to a tremendous woman of influence, Dr. Julianne Przinsky, an educator and community leader who has served the work of food security in the Flint area for more than 20 years as a volunteer. She believes the people and the communities we serve are worthy of her investment. Let's find out why. Come back and be with us in just a moment. Get in touch with the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Visit fbcmich.org. We're back here on Food for Thought. Thanks, everyone. Jerry, I think I kind of butchered your quote there in my monologue a little bit. I didn't get exactly right, but... but why don't you say it for us? And then really what I want to do is kind of peel the layer off that onion about how you got to that thought. Yeah, so I, I, I didn't think you butchered it that bad, Phil. I just want to say for the record it was fine. But but the, the, the statement is this, you know, we need to have a paradigm shift from people are needy to people are worth investing in. Because it changes how you decide to take action when you move from one to the next. Now, charity is solid. It's good. It's important. It motivates a lot of people. And and 
and it's it's you know most religions have a call to helping needy people and right. so we're not going to take anything away from that but if you stay in that space that people are needy and people who have should just give back to them you're not really giving as much credit to the people you're helping as they deserve sure. and that leads to stories it leads to assumptions about who are the people getting helped are they basically sitting down waiting for help to come their way or are they actively engaged in the solution and one of the things that i believe after 30 or more years at this work is that the solution to food insecurity or hunger it's going to come and generally does come from the people who are hungry picking themselves up and doing what they have to do now you would say but jerry We've not, the problem is still with us. How could that be true? And here's how it's true. Because it's not a static problem. It's not the same people. Hmm. So people go in and out of crisis in their life. And depending on where you start in that process, if you start with a lot of wealth or a lot of capacity, right. then when you get a crisis, you don't dip down as far or for as long. But when you start with less capacity... Then when you have a crisis, you dip down farther and longer. But people are going up and down and up and down. They're coming in and out. So I'll give you some concrete ways that we know this. During the Great Recession, the average amount of time people needed emergency food once they accessed a pantry was 28 months. Now it's less than a year. So what does that say? Did people stop needing help? Yeah. That's what it says, that they got the help they needed to get through the crisis. And most people are embarrassed to ask for help. I'm telling you. Right. They're helping themselves. They're moving themselves up. But how far can you get? So people, on average, low-income people carry between two dollars and $4,000 worth of debt. Mm-hmm. And that debt is something they're managing generally successfully. Generally. Not that there aren't issues, but generally they're managing it successfully. And they get in debt because they don't want to ask for help, for one thing, but also because their work life is changing and they go through periods where they need to get take on some debt as a strategy for getting through this crisis in their life. The fact that they have that debt isn't about big screen TVs. It's about paying the rent, the child care, the utilities, and the food bills every month transportation without asking for help Mm -hmm. so when we say people are worth investing in what are we saying what we're saying is if we can make that upward trajectory easier and faster we're gonna see less people in line now that's not as good a solution as giving everyone a living wage job right? right but it's an important part of the story that we need to tell So that's why when we say people are worth investing in, we're investing in that part of people that wants to be self-sufficient already. Now, does that mean there's nobody that doesn't fit a paradigm of they just can't be helped? No, of course. You can see anything in this world you want to look for. But fundamentally, if we change our idea from people are needy to people are worth investing in, and we start to develop the the logic models and the data to support how much investment it takes to really help people move along and what are the best and least expensive ways to help first, 
we can start doing what people who have household debt do. You pay off the easy things first, then you take the accumulated resources of what's next, you pay off the next biggest thing, and over time you end up paying off all your debt. So that is an excellent explanation, and I understand how you got there. People are people are not just people in need, but people are worthy of investing in. So the, it speaks to charity, and God bless those who are charitable, right? But at the same time, it shifts our thinking about the value of a person. Now, don't we do this with our own children? Of course we do. We're building that into them, that sense of self-worth and that value and that that hope and and to some degree even that expectation that you're going to be something and it's going to matter and it's going to make a difference and you're going to, you're important and there's no one else like you. Well, did that all of a sudden go away because somebody had a financial crisis and they found themselves in need? Well, and again, it's the story of who we help that's important to keep coming back to. There's not a story. There's literally hundreds of thousands of stories. And many of the people we help have great parents. Mm-hmm. And between health issues and you know their general ability to handle a crisis because they're just more or less capable of doing that and all of the other things that come together to put someone in a situation hey look the none of us are saving a bunch of money none of us or not none but pretty close to none when you look at the facts about savings in this country the richest country in the world none of us are saving a lot of money so we're all alike in that we're not ready for a crisis Right. Yeah. I, well, that's true. I mean, uh, there's a lot of more of us, I think, that are living paycheck to paycheck than what we'd probably like to admit, no matter how my big our, that paycheck is. Right. And so, you know, that's the kind of thing that, that we see all the time. And again, it's not that you can't pick holes in that or find people who are gaming the system and other things, but it's not by and large, what we deal with every day. It's people who want to help themselves. It's people who have some capacity. We need to invest in that capacity so they can do what they need to do, which is what they want to do, move on with their life and not have other people telling them what to do. Right. Yeah. So um, give us the paradigm shift one more time. What's the thought? The thought is this. We're going to move from a place where we say people are needy to a place where we say people are worth investing in. So that statement to me, Jerry, says a little bit more about us than it does about them. Well, it says a lot about us, and it says a lot about who needs to be at the table to solve this. Right. He's Jerry Brisson. He's the CEO and president at Gleaners Community Food Bank here in southeast Michigan. He's also the chair of the Food Bank Council of Michigan Board of Directors. And... uh He is a thought leader in this work for Across This Nation and the Feeding America Network. And I want to thank you for being my co-host and my friend. We're going to come back in a few moments, and I'm going to introduce you to someone else that has given their life to this great work of creating food security for seniors and children and everybody in between. You come back and be with us here on WJR. This is Food for Thought. It's Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight on WJR. 
Welcome back, everyone. We appreciate you being with us again this week here on Food for Thought. I'm Dr. Phil Knight, Jerry Brisson. We're in the WJR studio, and our guest today uh, via the WJR phone line is Dr. Julie Przinsky. She is the former president of Baker College in Flint. And, and Julianne, I'm just uh, thankful that you're here with us today. Uh, we built a friendship and a partnership over the last few years, and uh, we're excited to have you on Food for Thought with us. Well, I am pleased to be here. Uh, my family would say anybody that gives my mother a chance to talk is in for trouble. But um, especially <laughs> That's when a- I can talk about something that I believe in so um, soundly and firmly. And one of the questions you had asked me was, you know, why? Why did you get so actively involved in the food bank and, and why do you continue with it? And really, I have a number of reasons. But the first one begins with the fact, I think, that my family, my parents in particular, but also my grandparents, were just a huge set of role models for me. Um, I happen to be Christian. I'm a longtime member of a small Presbyterian church, but I grew up in a very large one. But when you, to know me, you'd have to know that I came from a background where both sets of my both paternal and maternal parents were founding members of the churches that uh, in their communities in two different states. Uh, my parents... Um, my dad lost both his legs in a work-related accident, but went on to continue working long after that. And even in retirement, as a double amputee and my mother with heart conditions, they would volunteer at um, a, a center for physically and uh, mentally challenged people and drive them around and do things. So here you have two handicapped persons helping other handicapped people without batting an eye. Wow. When you have those kind of role models in your own personal family, it, uh, I believe that uh, the idea of helping others, of serving others, it becomes a part of your own being. Then as I grew, obviously, in, into adulthood and, and had many different opportunities, I was, you know, a Girl Scout, and my brother was a Boy Scout. and Our environment was centered around our church and the things that you do. So... All of that is by way of saying, I think I was blessed to have that kind of upbringing and to have to grow up with the sense that the world doesn't revolve around me, that there are many, many, many other people out there, and no matter how tough life is, there are people who are in worse shape or have are struggling with more challenging circumstances. So, uh, you know, my faith, my parents as role models, and hmm. then because of my dad's... Um, severe, obviously, accident when I was just a child, and then my spouse, who had a stroke 10 years ago, we have experienced what it means to have other people serve us, to reach out to us. And and then I've observed what happens when people like you, Phil, and all of the people at the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan, whether they're the CEO, the executive team, the leaders, oh my goodness, the, the hundreds of volunteers who come to work and nobody expecting something back. They're doing it truly from a sense of a, of a servant leadership or a servant hood mm-hmm. kind sure. of uh, philosophy, and that rubs off. You know, there's joy right. in working with people who have similar philosophies. That doesn't matter what the problem is. We can work together to find solutions. And it doesn't matter where you come from either. I mean, one of the great things about that is you have people from all walks of life and from all economic backgrounds and from all races and, you know... Creeds. I mean, you know, and, and they find a way to... 
bypass all that stuff that can be so problematic in other situations for the purpose of serving others. That's one of the most powerful things about that work. It is. And and I'd go one step further. You know, you mentioned race or creed, and I've mentioned uh, your faith background. But one thing I've also learned, the least, those who have the least among us are still willing to help others. Hmm. There are people who volunteer at the food bank that you know their own personal circumstances are difficult at best. Hmm. And yet there they are reaching out to help someone else because they get it. They've experienced it. They want to help someone else, you know, not have to have it quite so tough. Well, that's not a perspective shared by many of our legislators in Washington, D.C. or in Lansing, um, because I don't think probably we haven't told the story well enough and the story you just told, Julianne, about how the least of these, the people who are in the most uh, difficult times in their own lives are still willing to give of themselves to help someone else who might be a little worse off than they are. Absolutely are. I, I had an occasion. Now, I will admit, I, I, by my career, the role I've played to help the food bank, if, if any help has been given, has been to use what skills I have as, as at a higher level, perhaps, in the sense that, uh, you know, I have administration skills, I have uh, leadership skills, but I'm not the one down in the trenches. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All levels of skill are needed. It's kind of like, you know, we all have the role and we all, it's unique to us and it's, each one is important. So that, that whole idea of everybody working together, the sum is greater than, you know, the individual parts. So, but I had occasion uh, a couple times to go with my daughter and my granddaughter who, uh, to the food bank and we worked uh, one morning, um, you know, distributing packaging food and sorting and packaging. Oh, my gosh. It's physical hard work. It's draining. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But there were two women there, young women. I would say younger than even my daughter, but maybe somewhere in their early 30s. And we got to talking, of course, as you do when you're working side by side with somebody. And they had a set time. They came every week. They did it between dropping kids off at school and coming back. And why did they do it? They did it because they needed the help and had received it at one point in their lives, and now they wanted to give it back. And that happens more often than not. She's Dr. Julianne Przinski. She is the board chair for the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan, located in Flint. And um, Julianne, I, I'm just wondering what you've seen happen, just not over, just over the career that you've had there in Flint and and particularly volunteering and giving of your time with the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan, but just more recently, how you saw the Food Bank step up and step in in the midst at the beginning and in the, the, through the midst of the water crisis there in Flint? Oh, it's a good question, and it's one that our board of directors wrestled with because we wanted to be sure that we did the right thing. And sometimes you know, you can get carried away when you're faced with a problem, and there's a tendency for everybody to try to do it all. And what the board said to our CEO was, yes, we want to be involved. Most certainly we do, because we need to be part of resolving this crisis as it stands and into the long run. But we also need to stick to our mission. And that was perhaps the best guidance we could have given, because ultimately the food bank using its expertise in collecting and distributing food and the resources we had available, 
was able to solicit even more resources. So the UAW and the unions came forth, and we got more trucks. We got um, uh, more people to work. We brought people in. But we stuck to the business of we would be the distributors of the water, in, in this case, to those agencies who would then get it out to the people uh you know, the clients themselves, if you will. So right. we did our mission, and in doing that, ultimately, I, I think anybody would say if, that knows about the situation, the food bank became rather the leader in the uh, distribution of water. And so I we wanna... got it to people who could get it done, Yep. and it was our mission, but it also involved all those others then who had to get it to the people who needed it. And I want to put a special plug in here. I think one of the most important resources the food bank brought to that uh, whole situation was trust. And the number of people that trusted the food bank more than any other player and thus enabled that distribution. It's, it is about the logistics, but it's also about relationships in the community. I'm, I'm going to have to pay a few bills here, so we're going to take a commercial break, but we're going to come back. Dr. Julianne Krasinski, the chair of the board for the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan, Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. We'll be right back here on WJR in just a moment. You're listening to Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight. Brought to you by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Welcome back, everyone. Dr. Phil Knight, Jerry Brisson here in the WJR studio and on the phone with us, Dr. Julianne Prezinski, who is the chair of the board for the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan. And um, Julianne, you have uh, you've served uh, across this community. Uh, you've served as the president of a, a institution of higher education. And uh, in Flint, you've, you've really given and invested a lot of your one handful of life into this community. And uh, we're thankful to have you on the show today. And thanks for sharing about the food bank and about um, the, particularly about the water crisis. And I love the, the guidance that you gave your administration there. We want to help. We want to be a part of the solution, but we want to stay in our lane as well and complete our mission. And I, I think that was was really uh, insightful wisdom that you shared at that point. Well, I shared, but the entire board of directors, I mean, at this point, Claude High is still the acting chair, and um, every board member, we, the food bank is uh, blessed in another way, in my mind, and there are 18 currently board of director members from all facets of industry and service um, type of organizations. But everybody has one thing in common, and that's a heart for our mission. And when you talk about, in a broad scale, um, how can you move food, our food bank or any food bank, and frankly, any uh, service organization, move them farther along a, a successful trajectory or a successful pathway, it's that you need to be surrounded by people who have a heart for the mission. So you have the mission, you stick to it, because people truly believe in what they're doing. And with that, I think then you find it easier to seek out uh, new and creative ways of doing things. And some of those things work and some don't. But if you work on them together and you seek partners who are interested in similar things and can bring resources to the table that perhaps you don't have, um, the co-mingling, if you will, or the blending of those resources and personal strengths of all the people involved are what will make 
any food bank more successful. It's less about the specific idea you have or the thing you do. Uh, I can remember, for example, when the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan, and I've been on the board for over 20 years, so when the idea of doing the backpacks, giving kids a backpack to take home on the weekend filled with food and that assuming they would bring the backpack back in on Monday and do it again. And there were naysayers. There were people who said, this isn't going to work. That backpack will disappear. It won't come back. There were enough people, though, who had a heart for saying, you know what? It can't hurt to try. Let's try. And as Phil, you know, and Jerry, you may know, that has just exploded. And we have had, through the growth and the success, um, many people have come, companies, corporations, uh, service groups, and even the state of Michigan to help support that with grant after grant after grant. And it reached the point in the past year that over 5,000 Flint school children received lunches, and most of those had backpacks to go home and yeah. have a meal on the weekend. And so, what a great story. And I just want to, for the sake of listeners who aren't uh, familiar, um, backpacks were an innovation. Uh, it, it, it's something that... Uh, the school teachers realized that the kids were coming to school on Monday and hadn't had anything to eat since they left school on Friday. And so the backpack was a way to get food right to the hands of the kids so that no matter what their situation at home was, they would at least have food over the weekend so they could come back to school ready to learn. So I just want to throw that little tidbit in there because it's no, easy for us who do it all the time to know what that is. But that's that's what created that program. And it was the partnership with the schools and the teachers that really taught us about that need. And that's the best place for innovation to come from, the people who are experiencing the problem. Exactly. And, and they reinforced with the kids and with their parents you know, this is a good thing for all of you. And those came back. So, you know, for the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan, all year to date already, we have surpassed last year. You know, the, the sad thing about food banks for me is this. It's a shame that we should be talking about these kinds of numbers that that represent how many we have to serve. Because, you know, in my mind, and perhaps that's the biggest driving factor for me to be involved, no child should be hungry ever, ever. And the fact that we are providing thousands, hundreds of thousands of meals through the backpack and through other uh, mobile pantry kinds of distributions and our community health centers that were set up in the past year. Um, it, it, it's discouraging that there is so much need, but on the other hand, it is also refreshing and uh, joyfully fulfilling that so many people are willing to work on it and come up with different ways. Uh, you had asked me about whether it was some of the more innovative things. I think the community health centers that were established primarily as an outgrowth of the water crisis, but have ended up being a kind of one-stop shop. Uh, we have serviced over 380,667 people. Yeah, that's a lot. Total. You got it but down to the person there, too. And seniors. I mean, right Go down ahead. to the person. What was that? What was that number again? Say it again. 380,000. This was a uh, total since opening in 2016. 380,667, and that includes children, adults, and seniors. It represents over 126,000 households. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. And, that, and again, that was one of... Now, where did that idea come from? It didn't just come from people at the food bank. The food bank was in partnership on these community centers with... Uh, I, I can't run down the list of all the agencies that are involved, but 
many, many, including churches. And then there are four churches serve as, or, or well, there's, there were three, and I think there are four now, but um, uh, they serve as distribution sites. So many people came together, and I know that uh, Kara Ross was our current uh, CEO, interim CEO, was active at the table and a part of all that process. It involved everybody from the state level on down. You know, it comes back to that. You have to be willing to work with other people and open to new ideas. It's Mm. true, true, true. And, you know, part of the reason I wanted you to repeat that number is because you you mentioned um, it's a shame in a way that we have so much work to do. But we know from the data that that we collect from the need in in our communities. And and I'll just uh, I'll just say Michigan mapped is a tool that we use to look at that data, as well as the map, the meal gap information from Feeding America that helps us really look at the need. And so we're about halfway there. Yep. And so it's it's we're not nowhere, but we're not where we need to be. And so I, I exactly. think that I and there's a lot of questions about, well, how much of this problem should be solved by food banks versus other organizations? Well, you'll never get the answer to that question if you only work alone. Exactly. And, and it's the wrong question to ask. It should be, how will we all working together? solve this problem. How much do we believe it's wrong for children or seniors or families to be so at risk that they can't get out of the fix that they're in? Exactly. Dr. Julianne Brzezinski, the chairman of the board for the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan, you've seen a lot in your time as you volunteered. uh, I think I, I remember more than 20 years you've served this organization and uh, I don't think you have lost much enthusiasm for this mission either. <laughs> I, I probably don't. I'm driven by, um, I, I really am. I My family and my husband, anybody who knows me would know that I'm driven really by a personal choice that I made long ago. And again, I go back to I that probably because of the way I was raised. Sure. That if there is a need and it's something that you have that you can bring to the table, Bring what you have and try to blend it with what others have and see if something can't be done. But I, it, it breaks my heart to see kids at risk, right. especially kids. Uh, and more and more, because of the way the demographics of society are going, more and more adults, seniors at risk. Mm-hmm. And the food bank isn't the only way, obviously not, but it deals with food and hunger. And for me, that's a biblical injunction. We are to feed the hungry. You know, we are to clothe them. We are to help the weak and the sick. And it's not a pie-in-the-sky thing. It's something that we are all called to do. Well, I think we've had guests on this show that share that very same perspective, whether they be Christian or Muslim or um, exactly Jewish. They have all—that's about 56 percent of the world's religious population right there, those three groups. And uh, as Jerry has said on the show in times past, that is a, that is a an injunction uh, that is employed by all those faiths that we are to stand in the gap and help feed the hungry. Dr. Julianne Przinsky, she is the chair of the board of directors for the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan, and she has invested a good portion of her one handful of life in this mission about food security and helping seniors and children uh, recognize and have access to healthy, nutritious food. And Julianne, thank you so much for what you've done, what you're doing, and for being our guest today on Food for Thought.
It's Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight. Presented by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Once again, here's Dr. Phil Knight. We're back here on Food for Thought. Jerry Brisson, that was Dr. Julianne Przinsky, uh, immediate past president of Baker College in Flint, and um, also now the incoming board chair for the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan. But she's been on the board for more than 20 years. Yeah, you got to work hard to be the board chair over there. I well, she's you... avoided it. <laughs> She successfully avoided that. But wow, I mean, I I said it to her on the show, no loss of enthusiasm for this mission. Well, and it is one of the most beautiful things about this work is the tremendous people that we get to meet along the way. People who have dedicated their life in a different way, but in a very clear way to helping the community. I mean, being the president of Baker College, she's helped a lot of people out of poverty that way. Sure. And so, but even just talking about her family, You know, it reminds me, you know, I was inspired by my mother in a similar way. My mom was born and got polio at a very, very young age. And throughout her life, people would tell her what she would never be able to do. And she spent her life showing them otherwise. And so and she would say, you know, to us kids, there's no such thing as a bad day. There's only bad moments. So it's up to you what kind of day you're going to have. And you can't blame the bad moments. I mean, there's pearls of wisdom in that. Sure. So, I mean, but I, I mean, you, it, it is so inspiring to, to, to have people like that in your upbringing who teach you, you think it's bad? You mm. got more to think about. And more you can do even if it is bad. Didn't you love the example that she talked? I mean, her whole family and the struggles, you know, for her parents and now her own husband and yet that's how I met her when she I didn't meet her as the president of Baker College I met her as a board member at the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan investing her one handful of life right there in spite of all these well not in spite of but because of these circumstances yeah yeah exactly right and and when people feel like what they do doesn't really matter and all of us have that feeling from time to time and wonder about it, right? Although I do believe wondering about it is what gets us off the couch and doing things that matter. But right. on another, that my point is everything you do matters. Everything you do matters. And when you start to take those minutes and turn them into hours and turn them into 20 years of service, you imagine how that's enabled the growth of the food bank in eastern Michigan, uh, which is headquartered in Flint but serves the entire northeast part of the state. Yeah, 22 counties. And those 22 counties are so much better served because someone decided what they did mattered. Yeah. So let's kind of tie the bow on this a little bit. You talked about a paradigm shift in our first segment, them people are needy to people are worthy of investing in. Doesn't Julianne kind of live that paradigm out? And you can hear it in her voice. You can hear it in her voice, the dedication and the belief that this is not just something that, you know, is here and gone, but something that's really making a difference every day in the lives of people as they struggle through hard times. Yeah, she, I, I, you would think we planned this show. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, but we don't know what Julianne's really going to say. We kind of give her a topic, but I had no idea that it would fit together so well. Yeah, well, we'll count our blessings where they come, won't we? Absolutely. 
Well, I guess it's time for a little food for thought here. Margaret Mead said, Never doubt a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. I think about Dr. Julianne Przinsky, and I think about all the board members, and I think about all the different food banks from across our state. I think about Michigan as a diverse agricultural system. The quality of people we have on this show, on our boards that are working in our food banks, that are coming alongside of us to help us solve this problem. And I can't help but think, why not us? Why not now? We can solve this. I'm encouraged, inspired, and in spite of the policies, practices, and people who sometimes get in their own way and ours, there is enough of us who believe and are willing to invest our one handful of life to find a solution to this stubborn problem of hunger. I refuse to believe that hunger is smarter than we are or stronger than we are, and I know for a fact it's not more stubborn than we are. Listen to us each week here on News Talk 760 WJR and catch all of our shows at foodsecuremichigan.org. Follow me, Dr. Phil, Dr. Phil 14, on Twitter, and you can discern your role that you have to play in helping us create solutions for our hungry neighbors. Until next time, remember, it's food first, folks. Food first. Food for Thought has been a presentation of Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.